This is a Honky Tonk Man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, and you're listening to The Wrestler Review. Ladies and gentlemen, fuck you and fuck your fucking mom because she's too hot for me, and now I get headaches because all my blood's in my dick. I'm so sorry. Hi, everyone. <laughs> that's good. No, that's a good way to start. We are, of course, doing uh, the German. Oh, I'm German and I have no money. Buddy Rogers. That's <laughs> my you know? impression of Buddy Rogers. Oh, no, I'm the nature boy. I don't go woo. I just go no person who is sephartic. And once eats the napkins because we has no money. We have to eat the chunky tit milk from my big booby mommy. <laughs> it got weird at the end. Me mommy, she's got big boobies and a penis. Me mommy <laughs> is me daddy too. <laughs> I'm too poor to have two parents. Yeah. Nice. Uh, we're talking about Herman Gustav Reut Jr., Born February 20th, 1929 in Camden, New Jersey. And he went on to win the WWWWWF title. WWW. WWW. Yeah. The World Wide Web Federation. Teehee. <laughs> Featured on an episode of Ghost Rider, probably. Do you think so? I Like, I God, I hope so. That's just a television show I remember. <laughs> I just remembered yesterday that was... For those of you that aren't me or Dylan, there was a show in the early 90s called Ghost Rider, spelled G-O-S-T-G-H-O-S-T-W-R-I-T-E-R. I guess it's a ghost who writes... This is a this is like a big cup of nostalgia for for like most Canadians, I think. But your ba- big daddy was watching fucking grown men hit a ball. I didn't see this show. You never saw you never saw Ghost Rider. I've heard people nostalgically make fun of it for my entire adult life, and I've never seen it. I love it. <laughs> I love that you just you just ignored it. You because you were such a fun nerd jock. No, the thing is, sometimes out there, everyone and I have I have many many top level comedy skits on this, but sometimes people just can't fucking see well, and they got a big face. They're not. <laughs> they don't like sci-fi. It just really looks like they do. Yeah, you do look like you would really like Babylon Five. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that I, I do a joke about this, but legit. Well, I mean, there was never a punchline because it was like basically self sufficient. But it was like I legitimately got booked for a two day science fiction convention, and then they started talking to me about like Star Wars, and I was like, I haven't seen that in years. And then they were like, Oh, uh, Lord of the Rings, and I like faked my way through a conversation until I was like, I haven't seen any of the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and then it was like telling them like. I'm actually not your mom. Casually, it was they were broken people. It was very funny. Yeah, they should. That's hilarious. Beat the shit sh- out of them, but I gave them fucking herbs. If they they show if you showed people a picture of you and a picture of me, they would assume I knew a lot about Shaquille O'Neal and you would know a lot about Gondorf. But it's absolutely <laughs> very much the opposite. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and the other thing is, if they showed you a picture of you, they'd be like, "Ew, put it in the garbage." They'd probably put the garbage. Yeah, but that's because it would be covered in their cum, and they'd be like, oh, no, we got all the cum on this photo. We better throw it out. <laughs> Speaking of someone who definitely has cum on photos, Buddy Rogers, uh, a noted... No, 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 we got to... We got to... We got to... What's Ghost Rider? Quickly. Quickly, Ghost Rider. Okay. Okay, good point. All right. Quickly, we'll talk about Ghost Rider. Quickly, we'll talk about Roman Reigns having leukemia. 
Then we'll talk about Buddy Rogers. Ghost Rider, it was about a group of kids who solved mysteries through the aid of a ghost that could only communicate through reading and writing, so it taught kids how to read and write. And it was a thing in the early 90s where everyone was just in Brooklyn, their parents weren't around, but they were very nice, and they were an eclectic group That's of very friends funny. based on age and race. His name's Jamal, <laughs> her name's Maria. That's very funny. <laughs> There's one white, one white kid who named Calvin who always plays the bully for one episode, but then he mellows. Why? Because his parents are having a divorce. Because that's what white oh, people do. Oh, that's early 90s bully reveal, divorce reveal. That's how it goes. Here's something. Sometimes your bully is just a cunt. He's just a yeah. cunt fucking asshole. How come yeah. that's never... The bully, the bully, sh- like this is this time now because every show in the '90s, the reveal will be like, "Oh my God, there's trouble at home for the bully." When in reality, sometimes it's just a fucking asshole. Yeah, and that's what that's now we're in 2018 where everyone's like, "Well, you know, Trump supporters, they probably just have rough times at home." Like, no, no. they're cunts. Some of them are pieces of shit. Yeah, <laughs> they went from making sixty thousand dollars a year to fifty-five, and they don't like it. Like they're just. Fucking loot. Listen, one of the people that bullied me and most people at my elementary school is now in jail for rape and drug possession. There you go. Yeah. Known as the Yukon's worst prisoner. That's insane. Oh, yeah. It was a piece of shit. He's just one of those people that, like. And the Yukon. Yeah. The, the Yukon, Yukon is such a mythically dangerous place. Yeah. If the bears don't get, yeah, a guy named Doug will. Well, it's just like, hey, this apple's $45. Why? You're in the Yukon. This apple's got cocaine in it. That's the only apples we have. Either you fuck me or you fuck the bear. Who wants to see it? I like it. So uh, Roman Roman Reigns has leukemia. And uh, I'll say this. I'm so glad I defended this guy. Thank God. Bullet dodged. Not me. I hope it takes his goddamn (laughs) fucking life. And we can get back to enjoying wrestling. I can't believe no one's thought of this, but do you think Vince just gave him leukemia because Crown Jewel is going so badly? <laughs> God damn it. That didn't even work. Giving my main guy leukemia didn't work. I was really impressed with the tone and politeness of the social media around this event because I was like, I'm going to put in hashtag WWE and get ready to see a lot of people being like, haha, suck it. Fuck you. Your lungs are dumb and so are you. Um, you couldn't get over, but your leukemia can. And not that much of that. <laughs> well, that, that was out there, of course. Except not, for right now for us. Uh, but it wasn't like, it wasn't everywhere. Well, yeah, they just, they push the first response, the best responses to the top now, is what Twitter does because of the fact that. They people blame them solely for the rise of neo Nazis again. Oh <laughs> uh, YOLO. Um, but my one problem with it was, and I is that somehow they still made it about Triple H, which was all the videos of him coming back to the ring are just him and Triple H talking, and it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, you bald fuck! Do you, can you just not? Could you just not be a part of something for one second? You're not. Hey, Triple H, I know you're not listening, but I'm gonna say what so many people are thinking. You were never an exciting part of wrestling. You were you were the yellow mustard at the barbecue that was the Attitude Era. No one was like, fuck me, gotta have it. Everyone was like, ooh, this is a nice addition to other things that are very important. So, yeah, it bothers the shit out of me seeing that. It bothers, because it's just, 
like any opportunity we have to be fucking reminded that you're involved in this company when in the end a lot of people a lot of other people will be doing a better job in a better way than you ever will be the evolution segment during smackdown 1000 was garbage you're garbage why the fuck did you smackdown was on raw the entire time during the brad and split did you really need to just set up another angle where you wrestle badly at wrestlemania you old fuck and the reason why i bring this up is buddy rogers occupies uh i think the same amount of hate and vitriol in his era that i have for triple yes H. he does that's the crazy thing so reading on this buddy rogers was almost the antithesis of triple h in some ways so professionally, Buddy Rogers is essentially credited with the art of sequencing, which is now what we would know as like a spot, like the yes. fish out of water spot, uh, the fucking, you know what I mean, uh, the crisscross spot from the 80s. He didn't invent these, but he was the first guy to basically invent wrestling as we know it right now, like whip a guy off the ropes, duck the clothesline, takes the drop kick, drop kick spills out of the ring takes a powder for uh a couple minutes that's buddy rogers like yeah luthez and all these guys were doing like legitimately fake amateur wrestling contests with punching before this yeah and buddy rogers went no i have nice hair and i'm not a fucking idiot so he yeah. literally would map out things that you would then run like a play like it was not necessarily rehearsed yeah but you could go into Things like there's a sequence called the International, which is basically the beginning of every indie match you would see is is a variation on the International because it's something that whoever is calling the match can go International and then they just know what to do. And Buddy Rogers yeah. invented that idea. Um, but and guess what? Buddy Rogers knew his value early on. I will totally I totally respect Buddy Rogers. Looking at the research, um. It's basically the story of a of a poor man who figured out very quickly that he had one skill and he didn't fuck around. He also basically created a triangle of protection around himself. So, um, based on a suggestion from another wrestler, I believe it was Joe Cox. Yes, Joe Cox, who trained him back in ni- the nineteen forties. Jesus fucking oh Christ. god. Ooh, Dylan would have loved the 1940s. He would have finally been able to use a hard N with a hard R like he does when the mics are off. I don't even think they had that word back then. I think they were just using, they were still using the, the weird ones. Like the one that Vince McMahon uses all the time? No, John's mom. What? <laughs> the phrase John's mom is is racist against <laughs> black people? Yeah, 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 yeah. A bunch of John's moms <laughs> stole my stereo. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff i don't mind that at all i'm gonna change i'm gonna change racism to just being a, about your some mo- of my friend's moms <laughs> i was i was fucking i could have a job right now but a bunch of graham k's moms did the job for 10 cents less mm, i'm gonna go look at a bunch of porn featuring dylan's mom <laughs> <laughs> Problem that one, it sounds like either I'm about to jack off to your mom in porn or it's a race that I haven't determined yet. Oh no, these are these are undetermined races. No, it's not. Th- very very much. No. Oh, John knows which ones he's selected for which moms. Yes, I know. I don't. <laughs> I've I use the mom's personalities to determine which race they go with. <laughs> Um, okay. We, we're done with that subject now. Yeah, we're gonna, um, we're, we'll never talk about that again, because good lord. 
can we please stop just ruining our future careers? Ooh, those are done. Oh, yeah. Once you commit to doing a wrestling podcast, you top out at late night talk show. Yeah, no, you top out at working in the as as a as some sort of su- support staff member of a late night talk show. <laughs> yeah, I, I sweep behind the cameras. <laughs> they don't even hire people to do that. Uh, so I just Buddy, like being part of the glitz. Um, since, since Buddy was born in, he was born in 1921. 1921 so he was a teen in the great depression cool yeah he was like everyone of that generation which was horrifically poor and then once the great depression sort of broke he got some sort of job and then made sure he would never not have money for the rest of his fucking life exactly and that's why Lou, like luthez and all them uh Luthez doesn't like him at all. It's interesting. He said he but made I peace also, with him before he died. But I, by the way, find that so Luthez doesn't like him because Buddy Rogers was disrespectful to the booker of the company the first time that they had a match. We'll get we'll get to that later. Luthez seems like a fucking brown noser. Yeah, fuck Luthez. Yeah, Luthez is a fucking bitch. Oh, Luthez, you got to keep the boss on side, you old fuck. Put on some more wool trunks and die. Oh. I hope you died of dementia and your family cried at your bedside. Jeez, that's dark, but also fine. Yeah, it's fine. Well, it's again, Buddy Rogers, very early on, he establishes sequences that make sure that his spot is preserved, that um, he's getting over, and yeah, there isn't anything wrong with it. The problem was is he's the first one doing it after Gorge, at the same time or just a little bit after Gorgeous George. So he's really fucking breaking the mold. And people don't like that. People immediately are like, no, fuck you. You stay in line with everyone else. And he's just like, absolutely not. He's he's going to fucking um, figure out ways to make sure that he always, 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 always has a spot and always has money. Um, he like well, That's the whole thing is he's the, uh, like, uh, the Gorgeous George comparison to that end. I'm going to say that Buddy Rogers uh, was actually a good wrestler like buddy rogers was actually very good at professional wrestling he is credited basically the name nature boy was given to rick flair because he also had he was like a he was the he had everything that makes you a good professional wrestler as well like that's that's this man's legacy he was better in the ring than gorgeous george he may have not had as much sizzle to his stake as Gorgeous George, but no one ever has before or since. Yeah, because like, Gorgeous, Gorgeous George, George wasn't kinda... he wasn't the sizzle to the steak. He was like he was the first person he was the first grill. Before that, people were just eating yeah, red exactly. raw meat. Someone was like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If we heat this up a bit and dip it in some sauce, it'll be delicious. I don't know about that. This could be voodoo. Stop being a real Dylan's mom about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> We could have, uh, there was one guy, fuck, is it Irish? Something, it's like, his name is like Irish Joe O'Malley. Anyway, he, um, he invented the Irish whip, and he's the most famous character before this. Like, that was the level. It was like a guy who was like, he threw people off the ropes. What a dangerous man. And then, you know, George George comes out, fully done character with music and everything. I love that at one point, the... I, doing the Irish whip was on par with the time Mick Foley fell off the hell in a cell. <laughs> I love the idea of someone. I don't know because it's not really explicitly said if that was his finishing move or not. So I do like the idea of like everyone, Jim Cornette now saying everything makes wrestling look fake. Uh, whereas back then it was like throw a guy off the ropes and even though he bounces, he'd be like, my back, 
I'm unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Well, Jim, a lot of, the, like, again, but it's also, it's a different sort of style. It's also like the atomic drop, if you're watching from, you know, all the way in the fucking cheap seats in the Louisville fucking gardens auditorium, looks a lot more impressive than it does now because of HD quality cameras and the fact that it's projected on giant screens. So it all has to fucking change. And chain sequencing is very good because, by the way, that looks really good in tele- on television, which starts being a huge part of the wrestling business within six years of Buddy getting on fucking t- uh, getting into fucking wrestling. Yeah, and he's also basically taken the Gorgeous George thing. A remarkably little amount is said about Gorgeous George in the Buddy Rogers research, and I think that's pretty much because... He probably took the fucking bleach blonde hair from Gorgeous George, but that's also fine. Like, it's a good way to stand out in black and white television. That's why people did it. Absolutely. It's also one of the things where it was like, yeah, that's how any sort of performance works is, you know, Gorgeous George is... A big fucking loser. Yeah, he's a big piece of shit. He's a fucking little bitch loser. It's essentially Gorgeous George is the Pixies and Buddy Rogers is Nirvana. He's taking a lot of the elements of 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 that guy but doing it in a bit more of a commercial way at a time where people are a bit more ready for it and yum, 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 yum. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Buddy Buddy became a cop. He worked in a shipyard. I love it. Still a wrestler, by the way. (laughs) It's not like Vince McMahon in an embryonic state was making Buddy Rogers get jobs. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, and then he, because the whole thing is, he avoided working, uh, at, he b- avoided the draft for World War II by just becoming a cop. Yeah. It's nice to see draft dodgers of World War II. You don't hear about them as much. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the countries that just didn't fuck with World War II, and then everyone's like, well, they didn't, blah, blah, blah. They didn't, why can't everyone be like, Switzerland, they never fought any, but they they, they didn't stay in Nam, and it was like, yeah, well, they also didn't fight Hitler. They were just fine with Hitler. Yeah, they were like Ireland. Ireland was really cool with Hitler, because Ireland's like, you hate England? Us too, baby. We'll see you later. Really? Yeah, Ireland was neutral. Ireland, it's very funny, because Ireland like, has been neutral in so many wars, because they do a classification where they don't ever declare anything a war. In war- in Ireland, World War II was called the, and still is called the emergency. The emergency? Yeah. You know what? You're just a fountain of information. You know what I am? I'm like Wikipedia, but I'm a cute boy. Yeah, because you're wrong and you make spelling mistakes. No one's your friend. <laughs> you're my friend. <laughs> oh, that's, that's that weird that I have to tell you we're not friends. <laughs> I'm going to call people. <laughs> I'm going to start breaking up with my friends. I think I've decided that. That's what I'm going to do in 2019. Is I'm people who I've just kind of lost touch with. I'm going to call and be like, actively, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> Hello, Bryn. It's me, Dylan. This is for putting porn on my Facebook wall for so much that I can't have <laughs> one anymore. No, that's good. That's <laughs> fine. I just like it because if he wants to put porn on his uh, fa- on the wall, he has to just post porn and then tag me now. <laughs> 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 so I still see it. He started his career in 1939. Isn't that fun? When Hitler Buddy was Rogers. taking when Hitler was taking Poland, Buddy Rogers was taking Des Moines. <laughs> He uh he won his first match. He earned uh, his payouts were between five to eight bucks a match, and he worked every night. Basically, Buddy Rogers. Have we done an episode on a guy this old yet who worked in the carnivals? 
Uh, yeah. We have, haven't we? Yeah. Yukon Joe or whatever the fuck his name was. Oh, maybe. Yeah, Yukon Eric. Uh, Buddy Rogers worked in the carnival, so basically same grift. Here's the grift that Buddy Rogers did was... They had uh, they had a gentleman. They have they would always have a guy come out of the crowd. So they would have a champion, and then a guy come out of the crowd who was a plant. Buddy Rogers was the plant. Buddy Rogers would beat the champion. Then, since Buddy was actually the strongest wrestler they had, they would challenge. Uh, they would challenge Buddy for let's say ten dollars. Can you beat Buddy Rogers for ten dollars? He would beat them. But the thing is, he would string them along and work as you would say um making the like making everyone think that they just barely barely beat him so that the next guy would do it so then that all day for five days a week and that was better than being a cop somehow i don't know how that was i mean it probably paid more being a cop in new york during the great depression it was mostly just hitting irish people with a club this is a much better way you're just basically hugging them for a while and then laying down i mean who wouldn't want to hit People with a club, though, is my question. Well, you do because you're into weird S and M. Yeah, I'd be I'd be jacking off as a cop or whatever. <laughs> yeah, my safety word is no. <laughs> my safety word is I'm gonna come on your fucking face while I beat you with a <laughs> rod. I guess <laughs> <laughs> that that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, so even saying that made me feel like a bit of a John's mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what have we done? What have do. we done? <laughs> <laughs> I like it because I can honestly say I'm not thinking of any race. I'm sure that you are. But <laughs> of course, I always am. You always are. Yeah. You have one. For those of you that don't know, uh, John picks uh, a new. He goes to a map every day. Wakes up, eyes closed. He points at a map. And then he hits his finger on the map, and then what he does is uh, he picks that country and then finds the most popular last names of those people and just sends them aggressively racist uh, messages on Facebook. First of all, it's not just Facebook. How dare you? What is it also? Instagram. Okay, good. I sent sent them some very themed Instagram stories. Oh, in Snapchats. Yeah, this is you and then just a photo of poop. Ooh, that's nice, though. I I don't even think that's... Now and like now, it's like <laughs> the worst thing you could do is just like show them a picture of their daughter and be like, whore or something. How'd you find that? I don't have any online. I mean, your house somehow. Yeah, you yeah. found your house just, out first. I fucked her. Bye-bye. Uh, did you know that... Buddy Rogers named uh, was named the Punk originally. I did. I but read that and I went, "Well, BR Punk. Punk." Yeah, BR Punk. CM Punk must have been very proud of the way this man behaved because he behaved very similarly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Buddy Roger, Rogers. Rogers. Sorry, CM Punk wasn't nearly as influential, but uh, maybe he was actually. In a way, he was. He would have. The thing with CM Punk is they. He would. He had all the earmarkings of being. He would have been a big WWE legend, and he still can be when he eventually runs out of money and goes back to the WWE, which I give three more years to. Um, and yeah, that's all that's going to happen. And then he will enter into legend status. All that needs to happen is he needs to make five million dollars, and then yeah, he'll be back and be pushed like a legend that he deserves. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I think Punk, uh, now that I say that, Punk did change it. Like, the reason Daniel Bryan uh, is in the role he is, basically the reason for the size disparity that the the company is in now. Like, Punk was the first indie guy 
to really get over in a huge way in the WWE while it was still the land of the giants. Like people were still fucking like they were still fucking uh, pushing guys like Mason Ryan and like even Luke Gallows. Like you weren't really getting hired if you were under six foot four when Punk was there, and he's just a little noodle armed bitch, you know? Yeah, he's a little tattooed little baby boy. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> 1942, uh, he was wrestling about five times a week, Buddy Rogers was, for well, 120 bucks. Who? <laughs> That's not true. And he had left the circus at that time. Uh, during this year, he wrestled two smondit and uh, first time was exposed to chain wrestling. And chain wrestling would eventually turn into headlock, leg locks, you know what I mean? Set spots, the international, that type of thing. He says in 1943, uh, he first started to catch on with the crowd. He picked up a uh, new trainer, uh, was Dynamite Joe Cox. He taught him more chain wrestling. He also taught him that the local promoters, there was like a New Jersey, basically a bunch of dudes uh, called the Riot Squad, and they believed they were the shit, so they were never going to book anyone else over themselves. So that basically caused Buddy to have to uh, expand his range of where he works. We should talk about this more after the break. The one thing I want to talk about before the break is... So what do you want to talk about? How Joe Cox taught Buddy Rogers how to protect himself in any territory. And it's literally an expanded version of what Hulk Hogan would do. So the idea is that you have a glove and a policeman. Um, and a glove, yep. glove was a wrestling partner that could work with... Um, the Buddy Rogers or the main wrestler in question uh, in their style, such as for Buddy, someone who can work in a chain wrestling sequence, for let's say Hulk Hogan, someone that could beat you up for five minutes and then get pointed at, leg, big boot, leg drop, get out of there. Um, and then a policeman is defined as someone to take care of them physically, give them an air of credibility, and make them look like a legitimate and tough person. And it's amazing just how still... Any big wrestler, any main event wrestler still uses this exact fucking strategy of they have their guys that they want to yeah. work with. They have a guy that makes them look really big and tough and legitimate. And then they have them as sort of the nucleus of the situation. It's fucking fascinating. Yeah, they said that. So what was his policeman's name? Because Buddy Rogers policeman was like an old uh, manager. Who is he? he was Joe, like a the Joe, sorry, Joe Cox a, played that role for a while. Jack Pfeffer played that role for a while he was introduced to buddy rogers by ed lewis also known as the strangler yeah because he's a uh, buddy rogers policeman was essentially uh this guy who was joe cox sorry no and you no know, it, it was also jack pfeffer yeah, yeah, yeah and jack but they tried to teach this dude how to wrestle and he was just too stiff like he didn't get the not 100 percent he didn't have that in him. He didn't have the show part in him. So essentially, he was just brought on as Buddy Rogers heavy, which is crazy that it took him this long to actually come up with stables in wrestling. Like, well, not it's it four is horsemen were the first stable, really. That it took him this long. Is, no, the four horsemen are not the first stable. There was Devastation Incorporated. There was a bunch of stables beforehand. Um, it's more just. I love that this is the beautiful. Um, it's such interesting exposure to the structure that is wrestling like every like rick flair you can think of all of the gloves quote-unquote sting steamboat 
like Steamboat especially, the amount of times Ric Flair and Steamboat worked together before they had those great matches, it's like, of course they did. They were really good wrestlers, yeah. and they knew every move those fucks each other would make. Yeah, they had a ni- they had like a five-year feud in Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, in the fucking 70s, you butts. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jack Pfeffer, who uh, also was part of Buddy's management team, came on board, started pushing him, um, and stayed with him well into the 50s. It's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. Because he was a money, this guy was a money machine. We'll talk about that more after the break. Yeah, we're going to talk about this right after. Bitch, fuck, ass. Suck, suck, suck. This one will be even shorter. Patreon.com backslash rest of the review. You know why to go there, and if you don't, suck it. There's shit on my ass. Mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah. So this is really interesting. I really like reading about uh, wrestling at this time, because it's interesting how it's stayed the same and obviously changed because i could i completely agree by the way but it, it's yeah. basically this was the big change and turn this was the big bang moment of wrestling where it went from it went from men who hated their fathers who have ptsd to colorful characters who hate their father and give people PTSD. <laughs> yeah exactly so <laughs> buddy rogers because his first big break was beating ed strangler lewis and he ed lewis was 54 at the time and it still meant a lot because wrestling never changes old men these guys never wanted to lose before hulk hogan you know what i mean before triple h there was hulk hogan before hulk hogan there was what what's a 70s guy who just never wanted to fucking lose uh superstar billy graham bruno sammartino dusty Sammartino. Dusty Rhodes, uh, before them, there was Ed Strangler Lewis, who at 50 was still like, I'm taking the kid to the shop. Yeah. You know. Oh, I have a, I've been having a heart attack for 11 months because I don't know what a vegetable <laughs> is. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> More on that later. I It's insane. So anyway, because uh, Jack Curley was... Uh, Jack Pfeffer became Ed's manager, uh, Buddy's manager, sorry, after Ed Lewis introduced them. So Ed Lewis was really high on Buddy, and uh, you can really see why as his career progresses. Because it's 1944, Buddy is pretty much out of wrestling. That's the whole thing about the WWWWWWF uh, title uh, win, is that that's like buddy's done by that point yeah th- this is the thing is that the, that's his sort of swan song yeah coming out of the ring which also why i i don't understand when people are like well, he's a piece of shit um it's like yeah he's an old broken man who basically kept having to get into real fights with luthez well i mean you can see why though like his reputation was essentially being just hard to work with no one wants to work with someone who's that shitty but, yeah, it was, but it's also like he got – listen, he innovated a change. I'm not saying that he isn't a piece of shit to work with, but they're all pieces of shit to work with. Yeah, so he meets Jack Pfeffer. He start, He makes his TV debut on the, at the Rainbow Arena in Chicago for Fred Kohler for the Dumont Network. Um, my, one he, of my favorite things is – so Jack Pfeffer uh, – I'm going to say this. Uh, sorry to cut you off. But Jack Pfeffer uh, spoke, did not like about Buddy was. Buddy was a great draw, so he had to keep him on. Because Buddy uh, spoke German, which meant he can translate easily into Yiddish. And Jack only spoke Yiddish on the phone, so his performers couldn't understand that he was fucking them in the ass on money. 
<laughs> that's good. That's good Motors. So keep in mind, Buddy Rogers is still wrestling as the punk. And uh, he takes the name Buddy Rogers from just a song that uh, a guy heard on the radio the previous day. Because he didn't, they didn't want to uh, have him wrestle under his real name because he, they wanted him to be a babyface because he was so young, so wet, and so hot. So they uh, changed it from German to Buddy Rogers. And wrestling has never changed in that way either. Because you might think, oh, a song on the radio, of course a guy named Buddy Rogers was singing. That's so lame. Mind you, WWE Hall of Famer, Edge, who just was taken, they just dropped the from the Edge and U2, or Steve Austin. Yeah. <laughs> they just took it, like, that's the crazy thing about them trying to come up with their own real names and why they're so bad at it, because they've only stolen them for so long. Yeah, Hulk Hogan was literally, um, I need an Irish guy. Or no, just the, and they also, the Incredible Hulk Hogan. Like, they just stole the tagline from the the Hulk. The Incredible Hulk and Hogan. I need an Irish monster. Well, the Incredible Hulk screen, great, there we go. (laughs) Done, he's Irish. The Incredible Hulk's Irish, right? How close do you think Vince McMahon has come to just having a character named Hitler? Very. Like, I'm sure the music has been produced. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that when you ask Vincent McMahon about the Nazis, he just goes, "Oh, great heels." <laughs> he doesn't even <laughs> think of them. <laughs> he doesn't. He's so that in that wrestling world, he's like, "Of course, we're going to Saudi Arabia. Look at how heelish they are. They denied it, and then they murdered a man. Oh, good they heels. They know how to get over. Not like he'll be a perfect opponent for." Dean Ambrose now? What is my world? Yeah. Yeah. Roman Reigns has pussy lungs, and now I'm stuck with fat <laughs> Dean Ambrose. <laughs> so, uh, Rogers won his NW- first title, the NWA Texas Heavyweight title. Woo. Uh, he held it for three years. And uh, in the spring of 1946, Buddy met his glove, which is Billy Darnell. And what his glove would do is they would basically, he would keep Buddy sharp. Uh, in case anyone tried to fuck him in the ring. Yeah. Because Buddy, that's the thing about Buddy Rogers has a reputation as not being a, like, good amateur wrestler or being able to defend himself, like, kind of being, like, one of those gorgeous George style, this guy actually couldn't fight. But he still knew how to box and wrestle. Like, people don't know, like, if you weren't, uh, haven't read up on the Times a lot, uh, let's, I'll say this. In the, the most popular sports in America, we're boxing and like you and you just wrestled as part of your high school curriculum. Like everyone knew how to defend themselves. Yeah, it's it's the nineteen forties. <laughs> yeah, it's just ethnic battle royal every day in school. <laughs> yeah, life is hell. Welcome to hell. You're part of it. You're a devil. Oh, you're from Ireland too, but not my specific part of Ireland. Punch, punch, kick, 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 punch. Diddly D, kick, punch, fight, fight, fight. Yeah, he met his policeman, Ruffy Silverstein. This is my favorite thing. This is my favorite <laughs> fucking thing. His name is Ruffy. So, Buddy Rogers had a reputation. Oh, sorry. This oh, is by wrestling. the way, let me explain Got to you out. why Ruffy Silverstein yeah. became Buddy's security guard. Um, he was too stiff to work in the business. Basically, he was too dumb to learn wrestling. So, they were like, he almost broke Buddy Rogers' arm. So, like, you just protect this guy. In 1952, word went round that wrestling was fake in Pittsburgh, so Silverstein was loaned to a promoter, and he challenged all of the Pittsburgh Steelers to a fight for $100,000. He got no takers, so this was uh, reduced it 
so reduced it to the first 11 in the team. He got no takers again. Basically, he was a giant dumb lummox fight man that promoters were like, we got to prove it's fake. Go kill that dog. And he would. That's so, yeah, because he challenged the entire Pittsburgh Steelers team to a fight. That's and it. then this no is one said yes. Pittsburgh Steelers, so two of them were little baby girls. <laughs> our, our running back's name is Sonia, and she's scraped her knee. Challenged him to a fight for 100 grand? Yeah. Yeah, 100 grand. He got no takers, probably because he didn't put it in the paper. He just said it one time at a bar, and then he was like, Are any of them here? I thought not. Yeah, those are the, they're the Pittsburgh Steelers. They probably were trying. They were like, "We have jobs. It's it's not the it's not the seventies yet. We have we have we are athletes at the worst time." <laughs> so he gets the name uh, Nate, Nature Boy at this point. Uh, he said he got this from basically getting yelled at, being called Nature Boy in a Legion because he was wearing white and had a tan. Yeah, that's not true. By the way, it's from a Nat King Cole song. Like everyone else knows that. <laughs> Buddy, and that's I, very funny. I doubled up the research. He constantly claims he was like they, the fans gave it to me, and every promoter, everyone involved in it, Ric Flair, everyone goes, it's from the Nat, Nat King Cole song. In the fifties, he meets future pimp and terrible person, fabulous Mula, who worked as his valet. Um, this the re- is an- the reason why she quit is very funny though. Absolutely, this is by the way. Um, this is now Buddy Rogers' fucking apex time. He's selling out every arena. He yeah, like we're talking like sold out sold out Toledo, Ohio, forty four times. Like he is the big draw. They're building up to him and Luthez to be the Luthez and Buddy Rogers of this era. <laughs> Ooh, thank you. Why did she quit? Uh, working for Buddy Rogers, please tell me. The way it reads is he f- basically formally asked her if they wanted to fuck, and then she said no, and then he, and then she was like, "Well, you're fired then." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you do and that's it. That's how the end of women's evolution is gonna happen <laughs> this Sunday. I mean, you're probably listening to this after Sunday when we release it. Vince McMahon comes out and asks every single woman if they want to suck, suck his-, his hog. They say no, and then he no longer has a women's division. It's just the cat again. <laughs> <laughs> How much money do you want to bet me that Santina Morella makes an appearance at Evolution? Yeah. Also, I would love that. Only the WWE would be running a pay-per-view for women and also going to a country where women are illegal in the same month. God it's damn it. It's very funny. God damn it. They just try and be apolitical. They're trying to do it all. Yeah. It's not working. The WWE, it's it's a lot like someone who works for an oil company but is a vegan. <laughs> like, yes, like, that's a very good metaphor. One thing is good, like what you're doing is good, but you're still pumping oil just right into the earth's core and killing us all in 10 years it's fucking ridiculous um yes so now this is building to his big opponent or buddy rogers big opponent throughout the 50s uh luthez he expands pretty much all over the northeast and for all intents and purposes across the country because that's where television is produced that's where all the big newspapers are um and he this is when he really gets his reputation for being political. He expands the idea of gloves to include essentially three guys he would always work with in every territory and they would use that to take over territories. They would be Johnny Valentine, Bobo Brazil and Billy Darnell. Now, imagine this, when you are considered a the lead shithead and your gang includes Johnny Valentine, 
you're a bad man. Yeah, that's a, he's the first guy. Basically, he sees like you said earlier. Like this is remember remember where this dude grew up. Like remember how fucking the level of poverty this guy grows up in. He starts get making big money, and he just wants. He's cl- now shut. He's shut himself off and completely insulated himself around people that will basically let him keep making that fucking money. Like, that's all he's ever wants to do now. Like, he, he exactly what you said. He hired, everyone used to have one glove or one uh, policeman. Now he has nine of each. <laughs> like, he has a glove, a policeman, and just three dudes who he can cycle in and out of feuds with. And keep in mind, this is the 50s. Uh, obviously national television is just like getting off the ground so Buddy can take these three feuds, uh, and feud on television in different territories for the rest of his living, breathing life. Yeah, it's again, it's one of those things where, yes, he's a piece of shit, but that's again another innovation that is wrestling now, by the way. Yeah, that just is, that just is, yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of swung the other way completely where everyone's like, I love the job. I don't even care. Even if I'm supposed to win, I just job because I like to feel it. It hasn't. It hasn't. You can really... The Undertaker likes working with certain people. The Undertaker doesn't... You can tell doesn't like working with new guys. Well, the Undertaker's also a weirdo who probably thinks he could actually beat up UFC fighters in a fight. <laughs> the only thing, uh, reason I'm not the champion is because I gotta put this bullshit coat and hat on and be an undead guy. In reality, I could easily beat up Brock Lesnar. That's so funny. The Undertaker... We gonna do it <laughs> after the Lesnar fight? And Lesnar's like, I still what don't know what the fuck they were thinking. You we gonna, gonna do it? <laughs> it's just, and you can see yeah. on Brock's face, it's just like you're a corny old man. It's so funny that he went to a UFC fight and then tried to do a wrestling angle. It's so funny. Yeah, they're in. Embar- he's an. Em- he's an embarrassing dad. I'm, I guarantee when he picks <laughs> his kids up from school. Oh man, that's so funny. He totally is. When he picks his That's kids so up from funny. school, he plays his own theme music. That's so funny. Hey, Rebecca, funny. where's your dad? That's exactly Bong. what I was going to say. He'll be like, uh, or just like, he's the kind of he's the kind of a parent who would be like, hey, uh, oh, that's your friends there? Oh, cool. See if you like the tunes. What's on? Dad, please don't do this. That's me. That's me on the get box. Yeah. They made me play rhythm because the fucking lead singer was a fucking pussy. Oh, dad, you can't funny. say that. I can say what I want. Undertaker's claiming he wrote his own theme music? That's very funny. That's very funny. <laughs> Wes left the band, so uh, I did the fucking rhythm on Roland. <laughs> I came up with the air uh, with the air raid vehicle in uh, brackets part. That was me. I like that. I like it the whole thing, baby. Um, For those of you that don't remember... The full name of the Roland song by Olympus Kid was Roland Air Raid Vehicle in Brackets. <laughs> no why no idea why that air raid vehicle needed to be in there. Maybe he was playing like an old t- siphon filter too. <laughs> How the fuck do you know that? Because I was down with the fucking limp. Yeah, you are down to clown. That is one thing you are down to do. It's one of those things where everyone makes fun of it, but you put on Limp Biscuit at a party, I'm like, I could sing you this whole song. <laughs> oh yeah it does make me want to they do have the, they have those hip-hop karaoke nights and every part of me just wants to get up and just fucking just fucking let break stuff go loose out of my lips you i've know said it I mean? before and i'll say it again and have everyone try and fight me and like just try and fight the microphone out of my hand and i gotta be like it's just one of those days <laughs> stop it sir. i've seen 
I've seen Limp Bizkit live, and they're the only band I've ever seen that knows how ironic they're enjoyed and doesn't give a fuck. Of course they don't. Fred like, Durst they, was like, m- my age, was our age now, sorry. He was 33-year-old man when he was doing the, like, hitting it big. Can you imagine stuff. being still being that teen angry at 33? These guys don't care. Yeah, just fu- just fucking Britney Spears. Just putting his dick in her pussy. <laughs> but she's like 18. People weren't looking how creepy that was back then. Yeah, she was 18. I, that just dawned on me. That's really uncomfortable, isn't it? You just became not a child. Let's have sex. Fred Durst. My way. My way or I'm not a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's my way. My way or I'll go to Christina. Yeah. <laughs> it's my way or no one will believe you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> the late nineties, baby. Vince McMahon just fucking smokes cigars and talks about the late nineties. Actually, he ate cigars. Yeah, he doesn't like smoke. It shows lacks of control because he's a real piece of shit. So weird. So so uh, Ed, he basically we got we got to talk about this Luthez story. Basically, yeah, Strangler yeah, yeah. Ed Lewis, the guy who put Buddy Rogers over. Uh, to get him to this top spot is the referee and Luthez and Buddy Rogers share a car ride where Buddy basically says, wouldn't it be great if we could just split Ed Lewis's money? Who gives a fuck about Ed Lewis? Luthez gets all fucking guide girl, girl guides on him and goes, Ed Lewis is a legend and my friend and he, you'll never say that again. And he said from that moment on, Luthez refused to lose to Buddy Rogers. He said, we, he's like, we wrestled 60 times. It was always either a draw or I beat him. He never beat me. Yeah. Here's the thing, Luthez. You're a little bitch. And he was just he was just yeah. complaining because he's poor and he's not you who's just like, I don't need money. I just eat tuna and don't talk to my wife. <laughs> well, Luthez, it, Buddy Rogers at this point, his reputation, and we've all met people like this in every facet of life where someone talks so much shit about how much of a piece of shit they are that they do one little thing so you automatically hate them forever. Like if Buddy Rogers would have been like, hey, do you want some gum? And then it was like, unra- like he unwrapped one and then he had one that was like kind of had a little bit of wrapping paper off and offered it to Luthez. He was like, this fucking piece of shit was trying to poison me with his gum. What a fucking loser. Like, he would have just... Anything he would have done, Lou would have fucking uh, gotten angry at. We got to speed up here because we got uh, we got to get out. Yeah, we got a time grudge. And you kept you kept prattling on about fucking Jack Pfeffer. You love Jack Pfeffer, don't you? Oh, I do. Um, basically, so it's 1961. He becomes the NWA champion. He takes the belt from Pat O'Connor. In Kamensky Park, sets a attendance record that wouldn't be broken until the David Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions in 1984. The name of that event, I didn't realize, was so fucking needlessly grandiose. Um, it was dubbed the match of the century and was two out of three falls. And, yeah, this is now Buddy Rogers' like double apex. He is He can't do anything but sell out and is the champion for two years. And this is when he's really a dick. Like he's just like, <laughs> "Oh, you thought that was bad? We're gonna, we're fucking gonna fuck each other in the ass now." That's what he said. You're, you're gonna miss me from two years ago because now I have all the power. Yeah, he has, he has a cocoon of protection around him. He has the title. He's doing real good, 
and basically, uh, after he beats it, what happens was, after he wins this title, it just basically like everyone with a lot of power, he tries to consolidate just one step too far, and it becomes clear that Vince McMahon Sr. is going to secede from the NWA, because he's obviously in New York, huge media market. I was going to say something, which is, it's also very interesting, which is, it's... It can be a bit chicken and egg, which is Buddy Rogers favored the Northeast. That's where he was from. That's where he liked working. That's where he drew the most. So he put priority on being there, which the rest of the NWA didn't like. So is that what's burned on the conversations for Vince Sr. to leave the NWA and to expand into the WWWWF? Or was Vince Sr. wanted to do that and it was just a happy coincidence? Buddy Rogers liked the Northeast? Like, it's a, it's just a very interesting, like, oh, I wonder which one led it's to It's like which. a chicken and egg, yeah. Yeah, it's just very it's much like a chicken, chicken and egg thing. situation. Either way, what happens is is they start making moves for Vince McMahon Sr. to leave. Buddy Rogers is going to go to Rio to participate in this grandiose, huge term- tournament that definitely did happen. And um, the NWA gets wind and makes him lose the belt too. Who is it, Dylan? Lou fucking Thez. Makes him lose to Lou Thez. Now, this is one of the first times the NWA championship has dropped in a one-fall match, not a two-out-of-three-falls match. They also said that his deposit would be given to charity, and also they put him in the ring with Lou Thez because Lou Thez could, the theory was, legitimately beat him up and take the belt if Buddy Rogers was a problem. Basically, Buddy Rogers threatened many times to leave with the belt, to hang uh, the NWA out to dry, to expose the business. This is where it's like, oh, yeah, well, what a bit of a dick. Like, he really fucked around. Yeah, and uh, for those of you who don't know, every NWA champion had to put a deposit of $25,000. Like, I mean, if you don't know that, why are you listening to this show? Like, this show's not for you if you don't know that. <laughs> who knows? Maybe some fucking... Uh you would never know. This is the thing. You never know when someone is just discovering wrestling for the first time or when they're like, you know what I mean? Or maybe it's just some... This is a perfect show if you're 12. Let me throw this out if there. If you're older than 12 and you listen to this, you are you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. But this is a perfect show if you're 12. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but twelve. But the problem is, is 12. We don't know what 12-year-olds like now. We're ta- we, we know what 12-year-olds liked in 1998. Because that's when yeah, we were 12. Were, they're watching Fortnite. We're watching Fortnite dances with the sound off and listening to us. That's what, I, that's what 12-year-olds are doing. That's what I'm doing as well. <laughs> I know all the Fortnite moves. So anyway, uh, after that, he wins some tag titles. Uh, he always is the WWWF uh, champion. And uh, then he has to drop the WWWF championship because, John? Oh, uh, this, my, he's... this might be my favorite wrestling story ever. <laughs> Why he has to he has to drop the WWF championship? Why he has to drop it? Yeah. He had a bunch of heart attacks. No, no, no. And then they made him work with the heart attack. Yeah, but well, no, not right away. He lost to Bruno Sammartino. No, Dylan. No, no. On the way to the ring, part of your propaganda. These are his own. This is these are his own words. On the way to the ring, he said, "My chest was seizing up yep, from the, cr- the crowd, <laughs> and they because th- they didn't want him to have a long match because they figured he might have a major heart attack in the but ring. They were fine with him having a bunch of light ones on the way. <laughs> <laughs> but Roman I- Reigns would have dropped that fucking title in a forty-minute Iron Man match where he cut himself. It was nineteen ninety-two. Yeah, if it was, <laughs> if it was, yeah, if it was nineteen ninety-nine, Roman Reigns would be coming to the ring in an iron lung, and his 
<laughs> his theme music would just be the sound of a flat line. Like, of, like this this whole thing of like we're a sensitive company. It's like, yeah, now because you have to be. Um, Bruno Sammartino has a very different perspective on this, which is Buddy Rogers faked a bunch of heart attacks to get sympathy from the company, and uh, is a bitch, and I don't like him. Yeah, but Bruno Sammartino says Buddy Rogers saw a lighthouse one night and just faked a heart attack to get out of work. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Where it's like, no, he didn't do that. Like he clearly didn't do that. <laughs> He was having heart attacks on the way to the ring, and Buddy Rogers was like, he's still, Bruno Sabertino was like, he's still a fucking pussy. Yeah, not a man, not a man like me. <laughs> That's actually a good Bruno. Yes, it's, the trick with Bruno is you just have to talk slow and understand that you're a fucking dumb idiot. He's not a man like me. Let me say this about Bruno Fuck, Sabertino. that's funny. If any wrestler turned out to be a closeted homosexual it's bruno sammartino <laughs> that'd be great because all of those guys things he's just about weakness like he's just like he's not strong like me or other men <laughs> yeah other greasy very good stuff greasy men so buddy after his loses this title uh after he loses the uh first wwwf title uh he basically he's kind of he takes a lot of time off in wrestling he tries to have a comeback uh it's very brief he opens a drive through liquor, which is where you drive. If you guys don't know, if you're from England, oh, baby, there are places in the United States where you drive your car past a window. They give you booze and they're like, you're not going to drink that while you drive, right? And then you both wink, laugh, and you get drunk and drive. Yeah, it's real good. <laughs> it's real fun. Yeah. In Texas, they're on the highway. In 1979, uh, he went to Florida. and He's now in his late 50s and he is broken. He then moved to Jim Crockett Promotions uh, and was a villainous manager and had a brief run with the Nature Boy Ric Flair as a Battle of the Nature Boys, which is great, actually. But, you know, Buddy Rogers was broken down and kind of hurt. George Scott uh, warned Ric Flair to watch out for Buddy Rogers that he was essentially a piece of shit. It's very funny that it's coming from George Scott, yeah. who would later be instrumental in calling Ric Flair a giant piece of shit. I love wrestling bookers. Who's that guy? He's my old friend. Fuck him. Don't watch out for Buddy Rogers. He's had 19 straight heart attacks. <laughs> He's having a heart attack right now. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this piece of shit doesn't know how to die. He's do <laughs> Just die like a man. Yeah. Oh, he's foaming at the mouth. He's fucking putting it on thick tonight. Oh, uh, I'm Buddy Rogers. I need my phosphorus. <laughs> it's just... I love the idea that someone had... A heart attack on the way to the ring, and people are still like, he's a fucking bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, one he one time was a bit curt in losing to me during our fake fight, so I don't believe that he ever had cancer. Actually, he's still alive. So fucking funny. It's so good. Wrestling grudges are the best. Just like, um, do you think he had a heart attack? No. What's your evidence? I don't like him. I'm weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm weird is my evidence. I'm right. He helped open the first public wrestling school, the Monster Factory, with Larry Sharp. This is, of course, uh, they had trained King Kong Bunny and Bam Bam Bigelow before that. And uh, he basically, he made amends with Luthez shortly before his death in uh, 1992. Uh, and if you think Buddy Rogers... Uh, went out easily. He had three strokes in one day. What a fucking man. 
before he died, he had three strokes in one day. I feel like that would be like if you hit a TV and it doesn't work and then hit it again and it works. Like, I think the second stroke might have sorted him out. And the third one, it was even worse than the first one. Buddy Rogers tried to go Broadway with death. <laughs> <laughs> Best two out of three falls. Yeah. Death. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Death keeps I coming. Be- I beat you on that second stroke. Now I know Chinese. Oh, no. I lost it. Now I don't know Mandarin anymore. I'm sorry I said Chinese. I'm small-minded. Yeah. My favorite thing about Buddy Rogers is, uh, I mean, I'll steal. I'm assuming you're going to say the same thing. Uh, what Reading up on him, one of, if not the most influential wrestlers uh, ever, He Gorgeous George oddly patterned what WWF style wrestling was. Buddy Rogers very much is Southern wrestling oddly. Like he, they, Southern wrestling took what Buddy Rogers was, and then now that's still, that's the NWA in the 80s. Like they, for hating this guy so much, they, and I don't even mean just the Ric Flair character, I mean the like bombastic guys, and then that like fast paced style versus the pomp and circumstance of Gorgeous George. Yeah, that's a fine point. The best thing about Buddy Rogers is that he was such a dick, a man doesn't believe he had heart attacks. That's the best thing. That's ever. so funny. It's the best thing in the world. How can that be? It can't, yeah, oh, influential. Here's how influ- What a piece of shit. Here's how influential so he was. He's such a piece of shit, people didn't believe he died. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's a bad thing about him. I'm going to publicly say that. John, do you have a worse thing about Bobby, Buddy Rogers? Yeah, he exposed us to Johnny Valentine, history's greatest monster. We'll do a Johnny Valentine episode one time because I want to take a big dip of Johnny Valentine. A big dip? A big a big, a big sip? No, dip. Like chewing tobacco. I want to chew him up and I want to spit him, but I want to keep on tasting it. I like that. <laughs> I like this metaphor in a lot of ways. All right, ladies and gentlemen, sorry for a rushed wrestler review this week, but someone, Dylan, fucked up and is a bad person. I'm a very good man. Oh, sorry. We got to mention one thing. One of the most famous things to ever happen after an NWA title win. Uh, after he beat Pat O'Connor, he said, to a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. And basically... That was unthought of that you wouldn't just win the title and be like, thank you very much. I still love you. Even saying anything kind of rude, like set that place on fucking fire. So that's Buddy Rogers, one of the most influential wrestlers of all time. And next week we're doing, I'm going to edit in later because I forgot. I think it's Bill Watts. Bella Twins. Next week's the Bella Twins. This today, Women's Evolution's coming out. And in Wrestler Review Tradition, we're going to be a week fucking late. So enjoy the Bella Twins episode. In celebration of women's evolution, we are talking about a man who didn't consider them people. See you next week, everybody. Yeah, we're we're talking about we talked about a man who literally asked a woman to fuck, and when she said no, he fired her. Yeah, professional wrestling, everybody. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, we're on Twitter at Wrestler Review. You can catch me and John on Twitter at Dylan Gott D Y L A N G O T T, and at the John Hastings the and then John fucking Hastings. Fuck you very much, everybody. Fuck you forever. Suck me. Bye. Now I have with me the only man in the history of professional wrestling ever to hold the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Championship, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. He's also the man who developed the figure four leg grapevine and the atomic knee drop. And uh, 
Buddy, uh, obviously, the figure four leg grapevine has become perhaps one of the most devastating and most successful holds in professional wrestling. Well, I believe in both of them because I invented that hold and it's been very good to me. But if you look back through the history of it, by golly, Jack Briscoe used it and became champion and Eddie Graham was a superb wrestler. He used it. His son, Mike Graham, used it. Uh, there's many other wrestlers have used it and everyone have been very, very successful. But I would like to say this, Austin Idol, who I've worked out with and is in superior shape, and I do believe stands to be the next world champion if he gets that chance, does know this hold and knows it thoroughly. And I do know that if he puts it on someone, he will get the job done. I'll tell you what, I wonder, buddy, there are a lot of people who aren't familiar with seeing the hold. They've seen it applied upon occasion, but I don't think they've ever seen it applied in, if you will, slow motion and working through it. All right, Buddy Rogers is going to demonstrate now. Uh, he has uh, Buzz Sawyer and Don Serrano in the ring. Now, mind you, they're going to be going at about one-quarter speed. Now, notice he places the foot in between the two, crosses the leg over. Sawyer then comes down on his back. Now, clamps over. And even without trying to put any pressure on, you can see the, the pain cross the face of Don Serrano. Because once that is, you have four points of pressure. Four points of pressure on the two ankles and the two knees. And consequently, it's this kneecap right here where the leg runs across. That's where the main pressure is. And as you heard Buddy Rogers say, the main pressure is on the one kneecap, but there are four points and obviously an extremely dangerous situation. Uh, separating them now once again, but there you have it. Nature Boy Buddy Rogers demonstrating exactly how the figure four is uh, placed on an opponent. It has brought him uh, many titles in the past. And as he said, and I'd like to get him to reiterate that comment if he will, uh, but you do feel that this man, Austin Idol, has Austin that... Austin Idol, without a doubt, should be the next champion. And I do know one thing, he knows this hold thoroughly. There you have it, from the master himself, the man who invented the hold, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. Now, Charlie, back to you.